0: Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host Manpreet aka MMA Lock of the Night and your boy on Twitter at MMALOT and this week we are going over UFC 267, the first of back-to-back pay-per-view weekends that we have coming up with the UFC and this one is a banger, not to mention early start time, 10.30am Eastern on Saturday, so don't get caught napping or sleeping because this is going to be a banger of a card from beginning to end and we got 15 fights to break down for you guys as well, so I can't wait to get to this card and give you guys my best betting tips before we go any further though let's get into the betting recap of the last event and the last event was UFC Vegas 41 if I'm not mistaken and I did not have a lock of the night play however we came to a near sweep in that card with the five plays that I ended up having for the card so let's just start off at the top of the bet MMA page here that I got I had a unit and a half on Jonathan Martinez at plus 115 against Zvia Lazishvili, and I just saw through the absolute fraudulent nature of Zvia coming into the UFC and a lot of people thinking that he should have been a big favorite in that fight the only regret I have in regards to that bet is the fact that I didn't get to the tape earlier so that I could have got that plus 145 plus 150 that I saw a couple people get on Jonathan Martinez he did a great job in terms of keeping the fight upright and then from there did absolute work in the striking room and was able to get that victory over Zviad. so good dog of the night cast for us there another dog of the night play we had was the Jeff Molina and Daniel Lacerda under two and a half would which I can't believe was at plus 118. The fact that it was even at plus money, I thought was absolutely crazy. And we got just that Molina was able to dispatch with Lacerda early in that first round. And we cast out one unit play at plus 118 for plus 1.18 units. Next, And you'd best believe for the next Daniel Lacerda fight or Daniel De Silva, whatever the fuck you guys want to call him, I'm more than likely be playing the under again. Let's just throw that out there for you guys um next up we had a parlay uh, i actually went with two parlays for this card and luckily both of them came through the first of which had trinaldo uh, francisco trinaldo and jessica rose clark let's start off on the trinaldo side of things um yeah, I I thought he won that fight even with the point deduction. I thought he did enough to to win that fight. Takedowns, uh, putting the pressure on Grant. You know, I don't think he was in any crazy trouble in that fight. But I do think that Ronaldo, uh, was the right side even at that line. Uh, but I got a little bit greedy and played him in a parlay, and luckily it paid off for me. But I'm glad that it hit. And then obviously secondly it was the Jessica Rose Clark fight. Uh, on the feet didn't look good. Let's put it that way. I thought Edwards was definitely live on the feet, but luckily uh, Jessica Rose Clark was able to land takedowns when she needed to control the fight didn't do much from top position which is fine with me as long as you're getting control time and still winning the round and that's exactly what she ended up doing so that parlay hits one unit at plus at 191 four plus 1.19 units or sorry plus 1.91 units uh and that's another hit and then the second parlay which you Know both of these fighters were in contention for being a locker than I play for me, however, I had just slight concerns in regards to a couple things. So, the first one being Tabitha Ricci, I was just a little bit concerned in regards to her takedown game, and it showed off in that fight that you know she, she had some issues at times in terms of getting Oliveira down. And that was my main concern if she wasn't able to get the takedown, would she still be able to remain competitive in the striking? I thought yes, and obviously enough to be able to parlay her here at two units. And luckily, she, she did just that for us. So, good one for. For her there and then the vittori side of things right you always got to worry about that early power from paulo costa which gave me some pause here even though vittori has never been finished in his career uh very close fight obviously i've seen some scorecards for paulo costa however i do think that uh vittori deserved rounds one three and four um i believe those were the three rounds that i gave him but yeah i thought he won at least three of those rounds and then obviously take into consideration the point deduction gotta be a vittori fight and luckily all the judges saw it that way as well so we cashed out parlay two units at plus one uh, 121 for a profit of 2.41 units uh and then lastly the only loss we had on the night was the under four and a half in that main event i truly thought that if costa was going to win it was going to be an early knockout or if vittori was going to win that costa's cardio was going to drop off significantly and we'd get vittori to finish the fight in either round three four or five but we saw some crazy cardio from Costa. Even the fact, even to the extent of him winning round five against Vittori there. So a um, little bit of a misstep there. But that's minus one point five units. But I was happy to take the stab at uh, minus one twenty eight. So um, I thought it was a decent spot pre-fight. But who knew that Paul, who knew that Paulo Costa was going to have his most success in round five? I don't think anybody would have been able to predict that. All in all, plus 5.73 units, that's an 82% ROI on that card. Uh, that gives us a little bit of a bounce back from our previous event, which was a little bit of a stinker where we, you know, struck out completely on our official bets. Um, I believe my prediction on predi- predictions on the card, actually, yeah, predictions on the card weren't that great either. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm happy with the performance from this past week even without a lock of the night play. But as soon as that event wrapped up, I locked in my lock when I played for UFC 267 because I knew that these lines were going to get steamed. And luckily, if you are on the Patreon, you got that play pretty much ASAP. And some of those lines are starting to get steamed at this point in time. Obviously, you guys are going to hear the breakdowns very shortly here. So you guys will be able to, you know, decode what my plays are but if you guys are not a part of the patreon my plays will be free on friday just keep your eyes peeled on my social media platforms uh but again i do want to plug the patreon patreon uh link is in the description below five bucks a month you guys get my picks as soon as i drop them you guys also get eyes on the breakdowns way before the public does uh so i drop that either in my best bets and props article as well as my video breakdowns which i post early for the patreon members we have a great discord community as well shout out to everybody in the discord that keeps it lively like every time i look away for maybe a half an hour or so and i look back the the discord is just lit everybody's keeping it uh busy and active dropping tips not just for mma but for other sports as well, so shout out to everybody in the Discord. Uh, and then yeah, we got a ton of other perks on the Patreon as well. So make sure you guys go check that out. Best bang for your buck you're gonna get on the market. Only five bucks a month. That's it. It's five bucks a month, and you guys will be able to get solid content from you boy, uh, on a month-to-month basis. I believe we're close to that 400 mark once again. 400 subscribed members. I don't think any of them have much to complain about. So. Glad we're able to stick around that number, but 500 is what I have in my crosshairs, and I got—I know I got to get a bit of a winning streak going on here to be able to achieve that number, and I'm ex- and planning to do exactly that, especially with ending off the year on a high note. So make sure you guys check out the Patreon link is in the description below. And lastly, shout out to Coolbet, Coolbet, Coolbet.com. Use promo code MMALOTM2. That's the number two, the match or initial deposit up to 200 bucks. And uh yeah, great website. You're able to parlay props, parlay whatever the fuck you want uh solid lines as well sometimes they're a little bit slow on moving their lines as well so you'll be able to get a good uh you'll be you know be able to get good uh lines and and odds on some of the bets that you might be eyeing compared to the other spots that you're going to be uh, placing bets on so make sure you guys check out cool bet because they support your boy i support them as well uh again use promo code mmalotn 2 and they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks all right Your boy just turned 30 a couple of days ago, ready to fucking make some money at this prime ripe age of 30 bucks. And that's all going to start with UFC 267 this weekend. I hope you guys enjoy the breakdowns and I'll see you guys on the flip side. Tagir Ulenbekov versus Alan Nascimento we got minus 350 on the Dagestani fighter Tagir Ulenbekov and plus 290 on the Brazilian Alan Nascimento who's going to be making his UFC debut after falling short on the contender series a couple years ago against Halle and Paiva via decision I believe he uh ended up picking up one more win on the regional scene before the UFC ended up picking him up regardless because after that performance against Paiva the guy definitely showed that he was UFC ready he and he probably should have been the first Ever fighter on the contender series to have been signed even after a loss in that fight. So, luckily for him, he still finds his way inside the UFC. Now, he's fought some pretty stiff competition on the regional scene. Will Camposano. Ikardo Hamos, uh two names that really stood out to me that he competed against, but he also competed all over the world, uh, most notably Risen as well. So he has a plethora of experience that he's going to be bringing to the table here. Unfortunately for him, he's going up against a very tough Dagestani fighter in Tagir Ulanbakov, who is looking to brush off the mediocre performance in his UFC debut and truly assert himself in this 125-pound division with a dominant victory here over Alan Nascimento. Now, I had uh, Tagir in, a parlay in his last fight, and he really made me sweat for it, but I think at the time we were really undervaluing undervaluing what Bruno Silva brought to the table, and Bruno Silva has truly, since that fight, really flourished into a solid fighter, and it really makes that uh, Ulan fight seem a little bit more understandable as to why the fight was you know closer than the minus 400 had indicated pre-fight. Um, but in this fight against Nascimento, Nascimento is mainly a, you know, a jiu-jitsu guy. He has some decent striking, don't get me wrong, but it seems like he gets his best Work done when he's able to ground his opponents and kind of control them for their working for a TKO or a submission. However, I think he's going to have his work cut out for him against Ulenbekov, who scrambles very well, is more than likely the better wrestler, and will more than likely be able to accrue a ton of control time from the top position, which is his main path to victory in the majority of his fights. You know, he Ulenbekov is used to being the taller guy and lankier guy at 125 pounds, standing at five foot seven. But this is going to be his third time he's actually gone up against somebody who's taller than him. But it doesn't seem to you know really matter for him because he's always able to get these guys to the ground and go to work from there when he does have a size advantage he does try to use his distance and his striking to really put it on his opponents and then hide his takedowns after that but i think that uh you know these guys are pretty much similar in their striking styles i don't think either guy will have a significant advantage in the striking realm but i think that the advantage for ulan will truly show on the ground now nasimento you know could be decent off his back maybe pull off a reversal or two but i'd be surprised if he does it with much consistency or much substance either. I think Ulenbakov has shown, even in the Bruno Silva fight, that when he finds himself in bad positions, he does a good job in terms of reversing and getting out of those positions, and I'm expecting him to do the same thing here against Nassim should he find himself in a compromising position. I do lean Ulenbakov, but it's a little bit difficult to, you know, pull that trigger at minus 350 on him until we see him truly get comfortable inside the gun and give those performances that he was giving when he was fighting on the regional scene. Uh, last thing I'll say about Ulenbakov before I wrap this breakdown up he might have one loss on his record, but if you guys go back and watch his fight, uh, where he lost, it was against you know uh, UFC fighter Zalgas zumagulov You see that that was a robbery. More than likely, it was a robbery. You saw that fight actually took place in the hometown and home country of Zalgas, so there was more than likely some hometown cooking there. But I truly believe that Ulenbekov deserved that uh, decision, and he probably should be undefeated to this point. But I'm expecting him to go back to his classic self this weekend against Nascimento. Land some takedowns, accrue some top time, get some ground and pound going. Not 100% sure if you'll be able to get him out of there because. Well, Nascimento has actually never been finished in any of his losses. So I'm going to say that Ulenbekov more than likely wins his fight via decision. And his decision prop of sitting at plus 110 is not too bad of a look. So uh, I'll definitely be really looking very closely at that line this week. And will more than likely take a little bit of a shot on it. Um, as I think there's a couple of decision props on this entire card that we should pay attention to. This is one of many that I'll more than likely be tackling uh, as, a, as a potential official lock of the art. Not locking the I play, but official uh, bet for this coming weekend. So, official prediction to Giro via decision. Demir Ismagulov going up against Magomed Mustafaev. We got minus 260 on Ismagulov and plus 220 the return on Mustafaev. Now, this is a very intriguing fight, somewhat similar to Ismagulov's last fight, actually, where he fought another explosive striker who was able to have some success, but you got to give some credit to the fact or uh, to the credit sorry, you got to give some credit to the fact that, uh, Ismogulov was coming off a pretty extended layoff before going into that fight. And again, you know, when you're fighting an explosive fighter like Hafiel Alves, you need to be careful of that power that he brings to the table. And, uh, Demir, you know, slept on it for a couple seconds and paid for it dearly. But luckily for him, he was able to quickly reverse positions in that fight, uh, in that first round and then really control the rest of that first round by landing some good, sh- good shots from the, from the top position on the ground. Um, and this fight against Mustafive, he's fighting another guy that's very explosive and can find that chin really quickly. But outside of that, I'm not sure what else Mustafive brings to the table. You know, not super keen on chasing takedowns and getting his fighter to the ground and controlling from on top, which is, you know, where he's found success in the past. But more often than not, it seems like he's looking to go out there and look to... Uh, take your head off pretty much and it's going to be a very difficult task to do that against a guy like Demir who's very sound and disciplined on the feet again I want to chalk it up to his layoff the last time around which is why he got uh rocked by Alves in that first round and even in the third round it seemed like he was starting to slow down and Alves was starting to pick up uh which is not something anybody was gonna uh predict considering that Alves more often than not showed that he slows down in his fights but it was the complete opposite that night um here against uh with uh, with magomed uh he could have early success like uh Alves did but the longer that this fight goes on i think we'll see the better cardio from isma the better discipline from him as well and then just using that sniper like approach that he uses staying on the outside using his lead hook to really uh you know scare off his opponents in terms of trying to close the distance and get their own strikes off and then obviously using his, uh, again, distance striking to keep Magomed Ma- Must- Mag- Mustafa on the outside and just getting his shots off in that aspect. I, I like Ismagulov. I truly think he's probably one of the dark horses in this division. And now that he's finally starting to up his activity, I think that will see him start to, you know, capture that top 15 and top 10 and hopefully top five uh statue that i truly believe he deserves you know he only has one loss on his record the guy is very good in my opinion one of the best strikers out there and i think he'll be able to show that in this fight against musta 5. i truly believe musta 5 has a ko or bust situation in this fight outside of that i just don't see how he wins minutes you know i think isma Gulov does a good job in terms of you know, again, winning minutes on the feet, uh, t- landing takedowns and doing some good work from on top if he needs to. But I think in this fight, he can just stick on the outside, stay away from danger and just pick apart Mustafa on route to a decision. His decision prop sits around plus 100, which I think is absolutely accurate as more than likely is when condition is a decision. So uh, I do favor uh, Isma Gulov in this. Um, If you are looking to back Mustafaev, his KO prop sits around plus 525. I think that's the best way to attack it. But uh, the line is starting to come in on that fight. I think people are watching that Alves fight and thinking that Mustafaev will be able to replicate that. He could. But again, I truly think that uh, there was some ring rust that had to go into that performance for Ezra Gulov, which is why he, you know didn't have as picture perfect of a performance as we're used to seeing from him. So uh yeah, I, I like Ismagulov here. I like him by decision as well. At 100 another Russian that I am targeting to win by uh decision back-to-back Russians here. Uh or actually sorry. I I apologize. Ismagulov is actually a Kazakhstani fighter, um but he does a fight out of Russia. So I'm going to call him a Russian anyway. Um But yeah, another spot where I think that the decision prop is absolutely live here at plus 100. Got to take a bit of a shot because I think that he is the way better minute winner. And I think he'll be able to stay away from the big power. Won't get knocked out and uh, continue to put the pressure and uh, the output on Mustafa here. So I'm going Demir Ismagulov via decision. Andre Petrovsky versus Hu Yaozong. We got minus 230 on Petrovsky and plus 190 on the returning Yaozong. Now the whole storyline behind Hu Yaozong over the last couple months has been the fact that he's going up against Alan Amadovsky. Uh, I believe they were scheduled a fight a couple months ago and one of them had to pull out due to COVID related issues if I'm not mistaken. Then they were rescheduled for this card. Unfortunately uh, Amadovsky had to pull out an steps Petrovsky now who is a much more difficult opponent for Yaozong to go up against. Now Yazong has been out of the cage for over three years and he did have to deal with the USADA suspension during that amount of time, but it seems like he's completely reinvented himself over there at the Shanghai UFC Performance Institute uh, and he looks like a completely different fighter now. Obviously used to compete at light heavyweight even competed at heavyweight at a certain point but now he's down to 185 pounds probably where he should have been this entire time but he has a very tough task ahead of him and Andre pesky who will likely try to look to take to him to the ground here and uh you know get that jiu jitsu going and probably rack up another first round submission victory on his record which is uh, what I'm thinking is gonna happen here it seems like the majority of Yao uh training over the last three years has been around that wrestling game so I think it might be a little bit more difficult for amado or for petroski to get this fight to the ground but i think he eventually will and then i think once they hit the ground they're going to be levels apart especially in the jiu-jitsu game if this fight does get out of the first round things could get sticky once again for petroski and even though you know he ended up finishing michael gilmore in the third round of his last fight i think uh, who will provide a little bit more resistance and make it a little bit more difficult of a time for petroski to uh to get anything done after that second round not saying it's not possible that petroski grounds him once again and then eventually grinds him out or or gets that submission, but I'd be, uh you know, clenching my butt cheeks a little bit more if I'm paying the chalk here on Petrosky. Now, I do favor him to win this fight, but I favor his props more than anything. Petrosky via sub plus 250, not too bad. Petrosky in round one plus 270, not that bad. And then Petrosky inside the distance, which is, you know, always a a good spot not to get too greedy plus 100 ish i don't mind that either so uh for me if you're looking to back Petroski don't even bother with the chalk here sure go ahead chuck him into a couple parlays if you want but I think the majority of his win condition is front loaded in this fight, where he has to go out there and try to submit this guy early, get him down, and just grind him out or, you know, get that TKO submission, whatever the hell it might be. But he's going to have to get this fight to the ground. Again, I don't think Yao Zong is this crazy striker, so I don't think that Petrovsky's going to be in crazy trouble if this fight remains on the feet. However, i i do see him gassing himself out a little bit more especially being in a more of a stressful scenario in a fight when he's striking compared to when he's more comfortable being on the ground and trying to submit guys so i like petrovsky here i think he gets it done relatively quickly i think this is a great spot for him to take on short notice to not really deal with too much resistance and i think he's going to ground this fight and find the submission quickly thereafter so um plus 270 on round one don't mind that stab at all and i'll probably be taking that myself but my official prediction is going to be round one submission For Andre Petrowski. Lerone Murphy versus Maquan Americani. We got minus two ninety on Murphy and plus two forty-five the return on Maquan Americani. Now this seems like a pretty binary fight to break down for you guys. Americani more than likely needs to drag this fight to the ground to have success, whereas Lerone Murphy will likely want to keep this fight on the feet so that he can get his striking going and possibly find that chin or body of Amir Khan and put him out in this fight. The one bet that actually kind of speaks to me in this fight is the under two and a half. You know, I mean, I think that Mo although he's shown some decent durability late in fights and has been able to make it to the final bell against past opponents, he's been kind of bailed out with the fact that he's been able to complete takedowns late and just stay out of crazy trouble. But here against Lerone Murphy I think he's going to deal with a little bit more resistance in that third round in terms of you know giving up takedowns or something like that and I think that we'll see Lerone Murphy you know keep this fight on the feet and then really start to get his striking going after that. One thing I really liked about Lerone Murphy's game the last time around against uh, Douglas Silva de Andrade was the fact that he was just ripping those leg kicks and really damaging that lead wheel of Douglas Silva and I think we'll see the same thing here against Maquan especially to take the pop off the shots uh, of the takedowns that are going to be coming for- from the Americani side it's a no-brainer he's going to be shooting in this fight uh, but I think that if Murphy is able to keep this fight on the feet he's going to absolutely punish him there um, the under two and a half I really like in the spot at plus 100 um, I think there is more than a 50% chance that this fight uh, fight actually uh, ends inside the distance one is a wizard on the ground and if he is successful in getting Larone Murphy down early here he can lock up a sub uh, you know at a, at a pretty decent clip and then with Laurel Murphy, if he's able to keep the fight vertical, I think his power is going to be a little bit too much for Amir Khani to handle. And I think he'll eventually be able to get him out of there. Uh, the interesting props for me here, Murphy by KO at plus 150. Murphy in round three at plus 850. We know that uh, Maquan has a pretty horrible gas tank at times. So that's where we'll see Murphy truly shine, I believe, in the later parts of this round, uh, fight. But the Maquan Amir submission prop at plus 850 i think that's a little bit crazy you know what i mean i think that he is a you know a wizard with his Darce chokes and anaconda chokes and i think he could absolutely catch Lerone murphy and something like that as well um but at plus uh you know plus 850 i think that line is absolutely off here so uh my, my official prediction is going to be murphy third round tko but uh that under two and a half speaks to me the fight doesn't go to decision which will probably be about minus 120 minus 125 i think i, I think i think that has a little bit of value as well um And yeah, uh, again, Murphy minus 290, minus 300, a little bit too crazy for my liking because Maquan is definitely way more alive than the odds are indicating. However, I just can't pull the trigger on him. What I will likely sprinkle though, is the submission prop like i said plus a 50 is crazy so uh final prediction for this fight though i do think that murphy survives the early onslaught on the ground uh keeps the fight vertical for the second and third round but eventually finds that finish in the third round against uh amiri Connie. that is what is slightly giving the ed- the hesitation in terms of taking the under two and a half because it might go past that under two and a half mark but still end up finishing as well because i think that larone murphy is very live to get a finish the later that this fight goes so Uh, Official prediction, Lerone Murphy to win this fight via third round KO mihal oleg shajak versus shamil gamzatov uh we got minus 140 on gamzatov and plus 120 on oleg Shejuk. now this is an intriguing fight because you have a pretty clean chris striker on the gamzatov side you know a little bit of a far cry from what we've been seeing from the other russians in terms of landing takedowns and just grapple fucking their opponents gamzatov seems to get most of his work done on the feet uh but i think that's going to be a tough task here against a guy like mihal oleg shajak who's just going to be moving forward the entire time you know, pressing him, pushing him, pressuring him, whatever the hell it is. I feel like I just said the two same things just now, but it is what it is. That's what his style is. It's move forward, try to put the pressure on his opponents, try to get them out of there. And even if he doesn't get the knockout, you know, he does a good job of kind of pushing them back and really optically, uh favoring what the judges are going to be seeing so um you know shout out to anybody that got in on oleg shajak around that plus 150 line because i thought that's a great line for him considering the fight that we're going to be getting here but as the line starts to close you know you you got to take into consideration the clean crisp striking of the gamzatov side he just can't wait right like he will more than likely be on his back foot for the most part of this fight but it's about the activity that he does off of his back foot that will likely make him you know or that will that should allow him to try, uh to to get a j- decision in this fight uh, i'd be surprised if there's a finish on either side i, I kind of favor you know the oleg Shajuk side to get a finish if there's a finish at all uh, if i'm not mistaken i saw the ko prop roughly around plus 600 plus 700 which i think it does, isn't too bad especially considering the way that he fights um but I do think that he just continuously pressures Gamzatov for the majority of these fifteen minutes and uh, ends up winning a de- decision in this fight. Uh, again, Oleksyjuk could get a little bit sloppy at times. He is a very boxing-centric fighter, and he could leave himself open for takedowns as well if Gamzatov decides to go that route. But historically speaking, he doesn't really approach fights that way. He pers- prefers to let his hands go, but again we've seen Oleg Shajak kind of look like a fish out of water off of his back at times and if Gamzatov is smart enough he could possibly go for takedowns but based on the tape I just can't go out there and say that I'm willing to pay minus 140 on a fighter who doesn't historically fight with the grapple heavy game plan and that's probably what he needs here to beat a guy like Oleg Shajuk and deal with that kind of pressure that's going to be coming his way so I do like the Oleg Shajuk side here I'll likely be passing on this fight but plus 285 for Oleg Shajuk by decision that's a prop that definitely tickles my fancy in this spot uh I like I said, optically speaking, I think he's going to pretty much give the judges everything they need to, to give him each round here. It just depends on how cleanly Gamzatov's going to be countering, whether he drops him or even whether he goes for takedowns. Again, the latter argument there, I just don't see happening. So it's going to have to come down to who's going to be the cleaner Christmas striker, maybe landing knockdowns, whatever it might be. But I got to favor the guy that's going to be coming forward pretty much the entire time. And in my opinion, that's going to be Mihal Oleg Shajuk. So my official prediction for the fight is going to be Mihal Oleg Shajuk via decision. Elysio Zaleski dos Santos going up against Benoit Saint Denis. We got minus two thirty on dos Santos and plus one ninety the return on the newcomer Saint Denis, who brings in an unblemished eight and zero record to the UFC, and he's competed a couple of times over there in Brave CF, which isn't too bad of a regional scene. And finally, he's earned himself a contract to come to the UFC, and I think this is a solid matchup for him to go up against Zaleski dos Santos, where we should be able to see what kind of fighter Benoit totally is now benoit has never been to a decision the guy normally goes out there takes his opponents down and tries to look for a submission and he is highly a submission over position kind of guy because if he's not able to successfully sink in a choke or an armbar or whatever it may be he's given up positions and that's not what you want to be doing at the highest level here now it's obviously worked out for him eight times in a row against mediocre level competition but now that he's taken up a, taken a pretty steep uh climb in competition here i think he's gonna be in trouble especially if he you know looks to go for the submissions a little bit too much and zaleski not too shabby on the ground either right like the last time he's been submitted he actually been submitted twice in his uh mma career but it was over eight years ago so uh he's definitely shorted up you know he's more than just a cap fighter now he likes to go for takedowns to kind of secure rounds just like he did against alexei kunchenko and i thought he kind of got screwed out of a -A 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 decision in his last fight against muslim salikov and if you guys go over there and look at MMA decisions you guys will see that there's a ton of people that agree with that statement as well I don't know how any judges could give uh Muslim Salikov that first round especially considering that it was just a you know it's a 50-50 fight until Zaleski was able to drop him and follow up with some ground and pound you got to give that first round to him I thought he won the second round as well a little bit closer but I still think he won that round and then the third round you probably give to Salikov but I thought Zaleski you know deserves to be coming off a win at this point but is what it is here he is come, uh, welcoming a UFC newcomer and this feels like a spot where if he is able to survive the early onslaught which is inevitable here I think that Benoit uh, or Benoit uh, will be able to secure takedowns early in this fight but if he's not able to get a submission I think Zaleski will be able to do work on the feet he's going to have to be a little bit more disciplined than his regular capoeira self, considering that you know anytime he tries to spin or anything like that that's going to be an opportunity for Benoit or Benoit, goddamn, it's Benoit. I'm so close, to, so used to saying Ryan Benoit. I'm not used to saying Benoit uh, for for a UFC fighter. Uh, but here we are, Benoit Saint Denis. Uh, Benoit Saint Denis is going to be waiting for those opportunities for Zaleski to to spin or do whatever the fuck he's doing, so that he can close the uh, uh, the distance and try to drag this fight to the ground. Again if he's not successful in doing so he doesn't look the most comfortable on the feet and I think that's where Zaleski could truly have some success. Now I think there's going to be some desperation takedowns at times for Saint-Denis and if there is we know that Zaleski is going to be looking for a knee or something sneaky and uppercut whatever it might be to be able to catch Benoit on the way in and then I think he'll be able to knock him out. So there aren't many props available at the time of me recording this breakdown but I'm interested to see what Zaleski via KO looks like and even the under. If it's set at two Two and a half, I'd be intrigued by the under two and a half. Um, but given the track record of Saint Denis, they might set it at one and a half, so the odds makers might be sneaky there for sure. So, um, keep an eye on the under two and a half if it's you know anything better than plus 150 or something like that. I'd probably pull the trigger, especially considering the type of fighting style that Benoit brings to the table here, which is move forward pressure 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 and then that leaves openings for both guys to potentially get finishes I do lean the veteran though I do think that Zaleski will be able to keep the fight standing or at least get it to the point where it's standing and then find that knockout shortly thereafter so I'm going Zaleski uh let's call it second round KO Albert Daraev versus Roman Kopilov. We got minus 320 on derive and plus 260 the return on Roman Kopilov. Let's start off on the Kopilov side of things, who's coming off a roughly two-year layoff now. Uh, hasn't been able to get inside the cage, whether it's his opponent pulling out or him having visa issues, but here he is finally making his return. But in his UFC debut, he did fall uh, or at least lose his first-ever professional MMA fight when he ended up getting choked up by Carl Roberson in the third round of their fight. Now, studying the regional tape of kopilov he looks good right good distance striking ability to kind of just pick apart opponents and really you know smash them especially with his knees and his kicks but the majority of the opponents that he was going up against you know with the exception of the last two or three opponents seemed a little bit you know to be a little bit of, of a pushover and you know You got to give Kopilov a little bit of credit considering that he is super young and, you know, it was just earlier on in his career. But uh, I think people take too much stock into that, especially considering like some of the guys didn't even seem like they wanted to be in there with him. But when he did start to face some opposition, you know, the the title winning effort that he had, I thought that was a great performance for him against a legitimate competitor. But I just don't think that guy uh, that he was facing, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, that he was a legitimate threat to uh, to Kopilov. That's what I what I believe to arrive will be. And then in his next fight against uh, in- Inomoto, I think the guy's name was, anytime in- Inomoto was like you know pressuring him or putting out volume it seemed like Kopilov was stuck staring the entire time right like he was just waiting for his opportunity to finally get set and get his strikes off luckily for him uh moto seems to slow down in the fight and then Kopilov was able to pick it up and then truly get him out of there so uh good regional tape on Kopilov but what you saw once he starts taking a step up in competition and starts facing guys that aren't scared of his striking he starts to fall into some trouble he starts to get low volume you know starts backpedaling his cardio doesn't look the greatest either and then he really starts giving up bad positions especially in the grappling clinching and uh you know jiu-jitsu positions drive what is there not to like about the guy right it's crazy to me that he has three losses on his record the most recent one being in 2014 where he got ground and pounded by um anatoly tokov who is a very solid bellator fighter at this point in time but was able to accrue a very solid record himself but that was a 25 year old derive who was i think five and two at the times quite young in his career but since then he's just been on an absolute rocket ship you know great takedowns solid striking like good enough striking i'd say kobe Love is the better striker but i think that derive is good enough in the striking realm that he should be able to put the pressure on kopilov drag this fight to the ground and then have absolute success and probably find a finish quickly thereafter like, if you're getting submitted by Carl Robertson, it's really not a good look. But I just can't wiki cap this fight, right? I did the tape. I feel as though, even though Kopi Love uh, defended some really good takedowns on the regional scene, he's going to be dealing with the best best fighter, actually. He's probably fought in his entire career with Albert Drive. Drive former 2-2. Two, two, Two weight champion over there in ACA uh, or ACB, whatever you want to call it now. Uh, and that just goes to show, you know, the level of competition that he was finding on the regional scene there was just next level uh much better than what you're going to see fighters in the LFA or you know cage warriors or anything i think ACA and ACB is probably the toughest regional scene to go through even Fight Nights Global one of the tougher regional scenes to go through um to and then make it to the UFC those guys are probably most UFC ready and even though Roman Kopilov came over from the Fight Nights Global promotion i think he had some very favorable matchups for him there but here now he's finally fighting guys, guys that are going to push him and making him uncomfortable and try to take him down uh and effectively take him down and then obviously do work on the ground. I'm expecting this exactly that from Duraev here. You know, I'm not I'm not too worried about him potentially having knockout or sorry uh chin issues as he has been knocked out in the past. But um it's been long enough now. He's eaten enough shots from what I've seen and he's been able to come forward, uh use, you know, his leg kicks very well, which is something that Carl Roberson had a ton of success with as well. I think there's a difference in terms of stance as well and by comparing those two matches but at least the leg kick is live and there for derive as we've seen in past fights uh but then ultimately dragging the fight to the ground and just not giving his opponents anything on the ground i just don't see what kopilov will be able to present here outside of a Hail mary ko so yeah i think derive is worth the juice there's a reason i already locked him up in uh, as part of my lock of the night play and uh yeah i think he absolutely cruises in this fight and i think he probably gets kopilov out of there under one and a half so i like derive Go ahead and parlay him if you want, but even taking him inside the distance, I don't think is a too bad of a slot. Um, it currently sits at minus one twenty, so uh, close to evenish money. Uh, I like it, man. I think this is going to be a one-sided beatdown. I'm all on the Albert Durayev train. So once again, I'm going to go with a Durayev, and I'll say first round TKO, ground and pound. Zubera Tuhugov versus Hikaru Hamosh we got minus 165 for Tuhugov and plus 145 the return on Hikaru Hamosh now before I taped this fight I really thought I'd end up coming on the out coming out on the other side with the bet on Hikaru Hamosh as I believe he's just been underrated which is crazy because I believe he was a little bit overrated when he came into the UFC there was a lot of hype on the kid but now that his UFC career is starting to pan out People are starting to underrate him, in my opinion, just as we saw in the Bill Algeo fight in terms of the odds that we're getting there, and he was able to right the wrongs there and able to get the uh, decision victory, (coughs) excuse me, decision victory, uh, uh, where he was able to land i believe it was six or eight takedowns in that fight which is absolutely crazy however i think on the feet he leaves himself a little bit too open at times to be hit and to does a really good job in terms of kind of just waning forward throwing big shots and really putting the pressure on his opponents and when he needs to he goes out there and lands takedowns at will i don't think he can stand at you know distance here with how much because Hamush much will have tremendous success in my opinion from the outside landing good shots kicks whatever it might be so i think that will see to kind of pushing forward for the majority of this fight you know maybe not being as disciplined as he was in the first round against a uh, Duwadu which was a damn close fight uh close round and a close fight altogether but I do think that we'll have to see him push the pressure here to have success and he does have some big power in his hands right he was able to finish Kevin Aguilar which is you know would seem to be very difficult before that uh so we do know that he has power in his hands and I do know that well I think most, most of us know that how much probably has some durability issues that he needs uh working on as well so Tuhugov could absolutely you find that Shin himself. Not to mention, there's the takedown advantage for Tohugov. However, he really needs to be disciplined on the ground as Hamosh is pretty crafty on the ground himself. But I've seen Tukhugov, you know, get out of bad positions in the past and hold top control for uh, extended periods of time. And he should be able to do that against Hamosh here. My concern with backing Tuhugov, though was that third round. The guy always seems to slow down in that third round and that's where his opponents normally have success. I put out a stat earlier on Twitter today saying that uh, he's been to a decision five times in his UFC career. Four of those being split decisions, uh, and he's gone one, two, and one in those four split decisions. But in those five uh, decision fights, uh, he's lost the third round on at least one judge's scorecard in every single fight. So that does lead you to believe that he just fights a little bit too close the later that fights go. Not to mention, does he fight close? But he also puts himself into like desperation takedown scenarios, which, you know, you really want to be careful, especially when you have a high level uh, black belt like Ricardo Hamosh, who will be looking to grab that neck if you extend it a little bit too far or look to get your back, especially if you're going to be a little bit too desperate with the takedown attempts. And we've definitely seen fighters in the past, you know, when they are... Uh, too desperate to get a taker on, they give up their backs, and to Hugov is no different there either. So, um, there's a couple ways I would look to play this fight if you play it at all. Personally, I'm going to be passing, but there are a couple sprinkles that I like from a props perspective. The pick is to hugov The pick is to hugov by decision. Plus 150 is just not enough for me to get rattled up to actually bet it with any official money or any big money. But to hugov round one at plus 800, he could absolutely find the chin of Hakaro Hamush early here and put him away. So I think that's a little bit out of whack. And then Hakaro Hamush round three at plus 2,000. Again, like I said, if hugov gets a little bit too overzealous and too desperate with takedowns, he's going to leave himself to open to get choked out or uh, get his back taken, get TK'd, whatever it could be. And I think how. Hamosh is live and doing so it's so plus 2000 i think that line is just a little bit too crazy so um uh, another aspect of this fight that i'll probably throw out there for you guys from the live betting perspective if this fight is 1-1 going into round three i'd look to bet Hamosh if you can get him at like minus 120 or better um but i do think he should he will be more than likely to win that third round uh in this fight but as, as an overall prediction, I got to go to Hugov. Uh, and I think he'll do enough in those first two rounds, stay out of danger in that third round, and take home a decision victory. So, official prediction here is going to be Zubera to Hugov via decision. Amanda Hibas versus Verna Jandiroba. We got minus 165 on Hibas and plus 145 on Verna Jandiroba. Now, let's start off on the Amanda Hibas side of things, who's obviously coming off a loss to Marina Rodriguez back in January, where she got starched after she played around a little bit too long on the feet in that second round after having tremendous success with the takedown in that first round. Now, that just further proves the suspicions that I had going into that fight, hence why I ended up betting Marina Rodriguez in that fight is the fact that I think that he is striking is more show than substance. And what I mean by that is, like, when you look at her fights, like the Mackenzie Dern fight or the Paige Van Zandt fight or the Randa Marcos fight, she looks like she's really good on the feet, right? Like, she's fighting in the the proper stance, she's throwing good strikes and all that type of stuff. But I think once she actually deals with legitimate resistance in the striking realm, she finds herself in trouble. And that's what we saw in the Poliana vienna fight, where they just went balls to the wall and she ended up getting knocked out in that fight. And then Marina Rodriguez, who's probably the best striker that she had faced up until that point, and... You know it didn't go so well for her in that fight i'm not saying that verna janiroba is this crazy knockout order so this crazy uh stand-up fighter but i think that she'll kind of get through that i think once she gets a little bit comfortable in that fight she'll be able to move forward throw some big strikes close that distance and try to go for takedowns and, and i think that from there she'll be able to do some good work from on top control hibas i'd be surprised if she's able to submit hibas i think that hibas is a legitimate jiu-jitsu player herself but i think that verna is definitely better on the ground Now I'm gonna obviously hear the case for you know Verna lost to Mackenzie Dern. How could you back her against Amanda Hebas here? We all know MMA math obviously doesn't work out, but what the thing that I found intriguing about that fight was that we only saw Verna Jenny Roba go for one takedown in that fight, which she completed and had some good top time in that second round. But then there was a couple instances where she could go into the guard of Mackenzie Dern, but she refused to. She allowed her back to her feet. She, in my opinion, I think she knew that Mackenzie Dern was probably better on the ground than her, and she really didn't want to get mixed up there and was confident enough in her striking that she'd be able to put the work on Dern but it just didn't work out for her in that fight um The one thing about Jani Roba's fights that you'll see if you dig deep enough in her tape, she chases takedowns a lot, right? Like she wants to go for takedowns. She wants to grind you out. She wants to try to find a submission. That's how she normally fights. More often than not, you'll see her shoot for more than one takedown. But in the UFC's case or her UFC career so far, uh, there's been instances where she hasn't shot more than one takedown, right? Uh, the, The Kanako Murata fight. Murata was obviously the better wrestler there. And it was just a matter of time before Murata decided to get the fight to the ground and that's where we saw Jan Rob obviously get that uh, submission attempt that was close to breaking the arm of murata and that fight obviously ending so she didn't need to shoot a takedown there the next fight the the mckenzie dern fight like i said i thought i think that she thought dern was going to be better than her on the ground which is why she didn't shoot for more than one takedown and then the felice herrick fight she only needed one takedown to submit felice herrig in that fight but if you look at all the other fights she's shooting two three four takedowns i mean i think she sh- shot for six takedowns against Carlos esparza so like there's there's fights where she does oh, more often than not seek to take her. And I think that we're going to see that this weekend against Amanda Heboss. If she just decides to play on the feet, though, and let Amanda Hibas kind of do her thing from distance, things can get a little iffy at that point. But I think that we'll see Verna go back to her ways, her classic ways of trying to drag the fight to the ground. And again, stats matter to a certain extent but for certain fighters you got to take it with a grain of salt and what i mean by that with amanda he boss it looks like she or it says that she has 85 percent takedown defense but the majority of that was just from the Mackenzie dern fight where Mackenzie dern went 0 of 6 on takedowns in that fight heck random marcos landed the first takedown that she threw a threw at amanda hibas and obviously she didn't want to tie up on the ground with hibas and we saw that fight quickly get stood up right after that but again it goes to show that you can get amanda hibas down and i think that verna jandiroba will be successful in doing that and i think from there she'll be able to control her from that top position i'm not 100 sold that she'll be able to submit her which is why i like uh jandiroba by decision in this spot but uh Yeah, I like the January Robo side here, plus 145, and it looks like the money is coming in on uh, Amanda Hebus. Excuse me. So, I'm just going to wait it out. It's only Wednesday of fight week. I think there will be more money coming in on Hebus, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it gets pushed back up to minus 200 that's when I'll go in on Vern Jandaroba in this spot. So I like Jandaroba, uh quite a bit here. I do think that she'll be able to land takedowns and control this fight on the feet uh, on the ground. Uh, and I think she'll be able to land her strikes on the feet to close the distance the way that she needs to to get the fight to the ground. So uh, yeah, you know, don't look too hard at the Carlos Esparza loss, which again, isn't a bad loss. Carlos Esparza is absolutely killing it right now. Uh, and then the Mackenzie Dern fight, again, bad stylistic matchup for her, or at least bad game plan that she had going into that fight not trusting her jiu-jitsu enough at least in my opinion from the outside looking in but i think she knows she's gonna have an advantage here over he and she'll be able to take this fight to the ground and do some good work so uh official prediction is going to be verna jandi via decision Magomed Ankalaev versus Volkan Uzdemir. we got minus 300 on the Russian and plus 250 on Volkan Uzdemir. Now, I always see this crusade out there for people wanting to fade Ankalaev due to his low output style, but I really think that he's a very patient and disciplined fighter, which is why he always ends up finding success in his fights because he just waits for that moment for his opponent to slip up and then he follows up. Other or, or- he just like his Nikita Krilov fight he adjusts and he goes out there and knows that Kit Krilov would probably throw enough volume out there that could potentially make this fight difficult so he decides to drag the fight to the ground and and accrue a ton of control time to be able to get the victory in that fight. Uh, I think he's the best 205 fiver on the planet to be honest. Again I'm trying to keep my bias out of this which is why I'm not betting this fight to begin with um, but he should go out there and do work against Vulcan, right? A very good striker. I think Vulcan could potentially be a little bit chinny too uh not just saying that because yuria uh, pro put him out but there have been iffy moments for him in the past and i think uh you know uh, magomed he could pretty much win this fight wherever he wants you know the only way in my opinion that vulcan wins this fight is if it's uh you know he he truly does enough volume on the feet that could cause magomed some issues here but i just think that we'll see uncle i the better strikes again his his strikes landed per minute i think are like three and a half or something three to three and a half and then his um strikes absorbed is only about one and a half strikes absorbed like that's that's a huge like level of defense right i think he has 64 or 65 percent striking defense as well like he barely ever gets hit nobody really touches him so it's just gonna have to be the activity of Vulcan even if he's not touching uh Magomed he'll probably give him some troubles but it it is tough to bet uh to back uh on Kalayev at minus 300 against a guy that has a viable path to victory in Vulcan Uzdemir but i still don't have the the cojones to go out there and fade a guy like uncle live even at plus 250 for vulcan in this spot uh again i think that magomed could win this fight pretty much where he wants uh striking i think he could knock out vulcan if he wants uh he could drag this fight to the ground i truly believe that's a viable uh, spot as well and we've seen vulcan in the past have issues on the ground right like he's been submitted in the past uh i think twice at least at this point but i think that's where we'll see uncle i have, have a drum or, or a significant advantage in this fight is being able to control him from the top position uh, and maybe. Even even you know i don't i know he doesn't have any submissions on his record but um that is something that has been a bit of a kryptonite uh, to Volkan Uzumir in the past his submissions. Uh, I know it's sitting roughly around plus 2,500 for uh, uh, Magomedon Kalive to win this fight via submission. Might have to take a little bit of a sprinkle on it, especially if I I believe he's going to take a grapple-heavy approach, which I think would be the best thing for him to do in this fight. Uh, again, Volkan at times might get a little bit too caught up in his activity and might just get countered very well and probably put on his butt there. But I could see this being... Um, a drawn-out fight you know maybe some clinch fucking grapple fucking whatever it may be but i could see this fight going over two and a half rounds which is kind of what i'm uh feeling the most in terms of money line and uh totals in this fight the over two and a half is in around plus 105 i don't mind that but even now uncle i have a plus 190 via decision i don't think is too bad of a stab here either so um all in all i'll probably stay away from this fight i will give credit to uzmir as i do think he has some viable ways to win this fight most importantly his volume and output um and possibly his leg kicks right he really did a, a number on alexander rakic's legs if you guys remember that fight but i think that Ankalayev is just too good to get caught up in one of those fights i think he will you know counter well and then i think he'll be able to drag the fight to the ground when he needs to uh to win some minutes and get some control time as well so my, my pick is going to be Magomed Ankulaev, uh, and I'll take him to win this fight via decision. It's finally here, the return of Hamzat Shemaev going up against Li Jing Liang. And in terms of odds, we're currently looking at minus 550 for the wolf and uh, plus 425 for li jing liang now uh, i have too many concerns about this fight especially on the hamza chima side we all know the story about how bad his covid infection was uh even to the point that he pretty much retired very you know not for a long time but he retired because of the effects that it was taking on his body apparently it really fucked up his lungs and you know apparently he's gotten a good enough work that he's been able to get back into the gym and get back into the cage but i, I still have concerns and paying minus 550 on him at this spot which seems like a you know, it's this seems like a pretty easy fight for him against Li Jingliang. I need to see him go out there and actually prove that he's a legitimate. You know, he he's he's back into a legitimate shape before I can pay that minus five fifty on him once again. You know, just watching the the Neil Magny fight against Li Jingliang, you you can pretty much tell that Chamayev shouldn't have too much issues in turn of, in terms of dragging this fight to the ground. But if he's not able to get Jingliang out of the uh, out of there within the first round, then things can get shaky in that second and third round, especially if he does still have lingering. Uh, effects of that COVID uh, battle that he had to deal with earlier this year so uh, with Lee um, you know he's durable you know I, I think he's he's never been KO'd he's been submitted by Keita Nakamura you know several years ago uh, and has shown decent improvement on a fight-to-fight basis but here with Chumayev uh, I think he's going to struggle with the size of, uh, of him uh, and I think he'll obviously struggle with the takedowns uh but just too many question marks for me regarding chemaev i hope he comes back to at full health and full potential so he can make that run like he was hoping to you know before his whole covid situation uh but i think if you're betting chemaev you might as well take the under one and a half because that's more than likely the way that he wins like are we 100% certain that if the fight doesn't get finished in the first round that he'll be able to grind it out over 15 minutes i don't know how you can have that type of confidence given everything that he's gone through so uh the under one and a half minus one ten. You know, I mean I think if you're backing Chimaev, that's probably the best way to go because you'll likely get it done early given his aggressiveness and you know the, the the crushing top pressure that he usually brings to his opponents. And you know, the majority of his fights have finished under that one and a half round mark. Uh Chmaev inside the distance, minus one sixty-five. Again, much better than paying the minus five fifty, in my opinion. Um, and, and that's the only way I would advise playing this fight. Now, Again, tinfoil hat theory throwing out there. Uh, Going into round two, if you can get Lee at anything better than plus 500, I would take a little bit of a shot just to kind of, you know, go along with that narrative of Chamayev possibly not being ready to go a full 15 minutes if he needs to. Again, COVID situation, long layoff, all that type of shit. Uh, Again, we haven't even seen him go into the second and third rounds, like legitimately against legit competition. And I give, you know, Lee that legit competition type of uh, title so I think he could give some good resistance to Chmaev here he's a stalker a good pressure big shots that he throws on the feet and if Chmaev's not able to complete takedowns the later that this fight goes he could potentially be in some trouble himself so uh I'm not fading Chmaev I'm not betting Lee in this spot the only way I would bet Lee is probably on the live line if he's better than plus 500 going into round two uh but if you are backing Chmaev I would consider taking the under one and a half at even money or even Chmaev inside the distance at minus 165 compared to paying that heavy heavy chalk and again don't know about a lot of the the questions that we have uh regarding Shmaev going into this fight so uh official prediction Shmaev first round TKO uh but I am staying away from this fight I just want to see what Shmaev look like looks like in his return Alexander Volkov versus Marcin Tybura we got minus 280 on Volkov and plus 240 the return on a streaking Marcin Tybura now I believe Tybura is on a five fight winning streak however this is going to be his toughest test to date not to mention it seems like in almost every fight well at least the last three fights specifically for Taipura he's been hurting every single one of them but luckily he's able to come back maybe land a takedown and evade further punishment and then eventually get a finish or a solid dominant victory of his own he's looking good he's looking the best he's ever looked to be honest right he's doing a good job in terms of mixing up his strikes and landing takedowns and kind of controlling his opponents from on top but I think he's going to have a lot of trouble in terms of getting Volkov to the ground here like I think he's a mediocre wrestler but I think that dealing with the height the the distance and the size of Volkov is going to be very difficult and Volkov you know in that Blades fight did a pretty decent job in terms of working back to his feet you know there's a reason that Blades had as many takedowns as he had in that fight is because Volkov just kept finding his way back to his feet and I think that Taibura will start to slow down if he's not successful with having uh, or with um, grabbing uh, sorry with getting takedowns and maintaining top position. Because if he's stressing out and if he's focusing on just trying to push and hold down Volkov, he's really going to drain his energy reserves. And I think it's going to be bad news for him, especially when it's in the striking room. I think it might take maybe a round or so for Volkov to get comfortable with the distance. Maybe shuck off a couple of takedowns and finally let his strikes go. But after that, I think it's going to be absolutely one-way traffic on the feet here. Volkov will be just teeping him to the body over and over again, landing strikes from the outside, maybe landing a head kicker here too. But I do think he's the better fighter in this situation. The only way I see Tyber winning this fight is if he's proactively landing takedowns, which he might be able to land one or two early in this fight. But I think the longer that it goes, it's going to get harder and harder for him to do so. Like, he was struggling to get some of his past opponents down, and that's not a good look, especially when you're going against a Volkov, who's going to be all of 280 pounds come fight night. And I think, uh, you know, his improving takedown defense and his improving get-up game is going to spell bad news for Marcin Taibura. So this could be a possible live betting opportunity as well, right? Take Marcin. um, take Volkov going into the second round If uh, Tybura does have success in that first round Because I think it's only going to get harder And harder for Tyburo to do that And then like I said on the feet I think it's for the most part, one-way traffic with Volkov just doing his work from distance. And I truly think he'll be able to get Tybur out of there as well. So uh, I like me some Volkov. I like me some Volkov inside the distance. Um, and I've kind of been big on Tybur in the past. But I think, stylistically speaking, this is going to be a very difficult fight for him. Especially if he's not able to uh, secure takedowns. Like, it's one thing to take down and control a 205-er like Maxine Grishin. It's a whole nother thing trying to take down a guy like Volkov and control him as well. So I like uh, Volkov here. I like him inside the distance. Uh, So the official prediction is going to be Volkov via second round TKO. Islam Mahachev versus Daniel Hooker. We got minus 600 on Islam Mahachev and plus 450 the return on short notice Daniel Hooker. If you guys remember, Mahachev was supposed to face Rafael Dosanos. Dosanos pulls out once again and in steps Daniel Hooker, who just picked up a victory not too long ago over Nazrat Hackpress. Uh, pretty lopsided three-round decision where he was able to pick apart Hakparash from the outside now he's gonna have to do the same thing here if he wants to find success against Mahachev but I find it very difficult that he's going to be able to stop takedowns or even land a big enough shot on one of those entries from Mahachev to be able to get him out of there does he have no chance I'm not saying that you know what I mean but I think the best way to take Hooker in this fight would be either uh i guess inside the distance right there's no way he wins minutes in this fight there's no way he keeps it competitive enough uh in, in the grappling right I, I don't think he keeps his fight vertical at all um, i'm just trying to find the hooker inside the distance line here which currently sits at plus 675 if you want to get a little crazier uh hooker by ko plus 850 plus 1100 depending on the spots that you're looking at but those are his best ways to win this fight right it's You know, Mahachev's only blemish on his record was getting knocked out by Adriano Martin, uh, you know, several years ago. And since then, he's really shored up his striking. He looks a lot more comfortable in the striking realm. And I think it's going to be difficult for Daniel Hooker to, you know, really establish... success in the in the striking year i think he's gonna pretty much get every kick and punch countered with the takedown attempt and i think he'll find himself on his butt pretty pretty quickly thereafter um you know i never really advise anybody to parlay somebody up in that minus 600 minus 700 range um because you know there's always that banana peel thing so uh, i would suggest you know maybe just staying away from this fight like, I'm still trying to figure out the the method of victory here from Mahachev. I, I think he wins by decision, which currently sits at minus 105. His inside the distance line is roughly around plus 150. I don't know if he'll get Hooker out of there. I don't know if he'll ground and pound him, whatever it may be. But he's good enough that he could do that. I just don't know if he'll be able to do that. And another qualm that I have on the hooker side of things is the fact that he took it on short notice, right? He's clearly doing the UFC a favor. He's clearly getting paid handsomely to take this opportunity. But for the biggest fight in your career, you cannot be taking it on short notice. You need, you know, a full training camp, three months, four months, whatever it may be. Drilling takedown defense. Drilling the fact that you're fighting a guy like Islam Mahachev. Not one month. Right, if I'm not mistaken, it was UFC 266 that we saw Daniel Hooker at a month and a half ago. Like, I just don't think that's enough time to prepare properly for a guy like Mahachev. And just, you know, let's not even talk about the fucking travel issues that Hooker has had. The fact that he's not even with his training training camp or whatever the fuck it may be. His training partners, all that stuff. Like, it's just, it does not bode well for Hooker in this spot. So I'm going... Uh, As as a prediction, I'm going to go with Islam Mahachev, and I'm going to take him to win this fight via decision. Time for the co-main event, and we have the bantamweight scrap on the line. Actually, it is an interim bantamweight title fight between Piotr Jan and Corey Sandhagen. Corey Sandhagen obviously stepping in on short notice for Aljamain Sterling, who had to pull out because he just couldn't get medically cleared. Apparently, he had a neck uh, surgery a couple months back and uh, has yet to be medically cleared by uh, medical staff, obviously, to actually compete at MMA, but seems to be training at a pretty high level. So until he can get his clearance he won't be able to step inside the cage and people may make of that what they want in terms of saying that Aljamain Sterling is afraid of fighting Pyotrion at this point but again if you're not cleared by medical staff it's not in his hands at all so we need to drop that narrative now getting into this fight with Corey Sandhagen this is probably the best fight and bantamweight you can currently make between guys that are probably the best in the division with the exception of Corey Sandhagen you know he does have some flaws on the ground that he needs to shore up. And obviously, Aljamain Sterling was able to take full advantage of that. Um, but skill-wise and stylistically speaking, I think that this is pure toughest test to date, especially if he doesn't look to take a wrestle-heavy approach, which is what I think he needs to do here to be able to be successful. Now, this is a very polarizing matchup as there's a very emphatic uh, you know, statements on both sides. But I think that a lot of people well actually not even a lot of people because a lot of people believe that Piotr Jan deserves to be minus 250, minus 300, even minus 500 to a certain extent, which I which I just don't agree with at all. Uh, I've taken a plus 205 shot on Corey Sandhagen for, uh, for one unit at, in this fight, uh, and that's in hopes of thinking that Piotr Jan is going to approach this fight from a striking heavy style, which is what he mainly does, right? It's not often that you see him, uh, you know, relentlessly going for takedowns and trying to grind fighters out the best parts of his work actually come to fruition on the feet now here against uh, Corey Sandhagen that might be an issue for him if he goes out there and tries to kickbox with him for 25 minutes especially considering the output that he's going to be getting from the Corey Sandhagen side shout out to my guy MMA uh, by the numbers but one of the statistics that he put out there was that Corey Sandhagen from distance attempts about 16.5 strikes per minute from the outside which is absolutely crazy And I think that's exactly what... uh uh Pierriano is going to have to deal with in this fight now there are a couple Piotr fights if you go back and watch and you're like okay this is a lot closer than I remember or a lot closer than people are making it seem right you go back to the Jimmy Rivera fight everybody's like oh they see 29 28 and 30 27 uh all over for for Pierriano. but if you go back and watch that fight man Jimmy Rivera was easily winning those first four minutes in the first two rounds until the point that he got rocked and it always seemed to come when he was like backing up to the cage and then just found him there and just continues to get kept getting clipped there but he was you know out voluming uh Pierre young he was landing the better strikes he was having subs- success with light kicks and then uh, in the third round he clearly won that round in my opinion as well so um Again, it's just small things, small high variance things that Purity Yan um, benefited from in that fight, which allowed him to get the decision in that. Then let's move on to the, the Jose Aldo fight. When you saw Aldo finally get comfortable in that second round and start to let his strikes go, start to let the volume go and get the output up there, he had success against Yan and he won that round. Then we saw the uh, infamous uh, cardio death from Jose Aldo come into play. And obviously, he fell off pretty quickly. And uh, Pior Jan was able to finish him in that last round. The Aljamain-Sterling fight. Sterling had a great game plan, in my opinion, which was crowd Yan keep throwing strikes keep active stay on the outside stay away from trouble but just keep giving Yan something to think about because it seems like at times that Jan needs that space and that time to truly get set up to let his strikes go and Aljamain gave him everything in that fight unfortunately Aljamain just didn't have the cardio to keep up with it and that was the problem in that fight in my opinion now you have a guy in Corey Sandhagen who can do all those things that Jimmy Rivera Jose Aldo and um Aljamain Sterling are able to do, but has the defensive tactics in terms of staying away from big strikes uh, to do so, and the cardio to do so as well. So now we have the best archetype to fight a guy like Piotr Jan in the way that Piotr Jan's been winning. But it's just about the the takedowns and the grappling that's my cause for concern here and which is why i'm not going heavier on Corey sandhagen in this spot but given everything that we know pre-tape i feel as though that this fight should be lined a lot closer again purion doesn't necessarily always chase takedowns or try to grapple fuck opponents he wants to go out there and be the better striker and he wants to try to knock you out and if he tries to do that here for 25 minutes against Corey sandhagen he could easily lose minutes. He could leas, easily lose on volume and output. And that's kind of my argument for this fight. So yeah, can Puryan look his price tag? Yes, if he implements grappling. But if he doesn't and tries to strike with Corey standing in for 25 minutes, I think he's in for trouble. And I think he, you know, maybe gets caught with something but I also think that uh, Corey Sandhagen will be the better minute w- minute winner as well which will obviously have a lot to do uh, especially if this fight gets to the judges scorecards which I think it end up w- which I think it will end up doing so uh, my lean is well not my lean my pick is Corey Sandhagen I am picking against Piori once again and I did pick Aljo last time as well so say what you want about that but he threw out the exact game plan that i wanted him to 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 do and he won two rounds on one judge's scorecards one round one one round on this uh on uh, two judges scorecards um but i think that corey sandigan will be more successful in doing that uh again the volume is going to be jan's kryptonite and i think that will ultimately be his downfall in this fight so i'm gonna go corey sandigan i'm gonna pick him by decision and if you want to unsubscribe and do all that shit just because of this pick go for it but i have to watch the tape come to my own conclusions and then give you what it, what i see and that's what i see i see cory sandagan winning a volume based decision as long as he doesn't get grapple fuck by purity which is absolutely a possibility but it's hard to rely on that for purity on given that that's not what he normally does he'll go for takedowns and you do all that type of stuff but he doesn't grapple fuck opponents that's not his approach We'll see if he tries to change that this weekend, though, given the task that he has at hand. But my pick, and my bet this weekend, is going to be Corey Sanhagen. Took him one unit plus 205, and I think he gets it done via decision. Time for the main event. We got the light heavyweight strap on the line here. We got Jan Blachowicz going up against Glover Teixeira in a fight that all the fans have been clamoring for, especially with the amount of success that Glover Teixeira has been having over his last couple fights. In terms of odds, we're looking at mi- minus 280 on Jan Blachowicz and plus 240 on Glover Teixeira. And I think that's roughly about right, but you could possibly say that there is some value on Teixeira on that line. I think the best way for Tisha to, to win this fight is try to drag this fight to the ground and implement that heavy top crushing power that he has with his jujitsu, and possibly either get control time, a ground and pound finish, or a submission on the ground. But if he's not able to keep the ground, the fight on the ground against a pretty high-level jiu-jitsu player himself and uh, um I don't think Blachowicz is on Glover's level, though, in terms of jiu-jitsu. So let me just throw that out there. But I think it's good enough and probably better than, you know, the types of uh, jiu-jitsu Glover Teixeira has been going up against over his last couple fights. That's not even... Well, let's add in the fact that we have the Polish power to rely on here from Jan Blachowicz, who's been starching some some of the fighters in his last couple fights and finding a newfound confidence in his power to go out there try to put his hand and his fist on the chin of his opponents and seeing them go night night and I think that's absolutely live for him to do so here against Glover Teixeira um I I think if Lahovich gets Glover into trouble I think he'll be much better in terms of getting him out of there compared to what other opponents have been able to kind of muster up right iwan kutalaba carl roberson even in his last fight against tiago santos there were so many times where they had glover to in trouble but glover's takedowns always bailed him out and he was able to uh you know get the fight back into his realm and, and do work from there but Blahovich, solid cardio something that you can say about tiago santos or anthony with especially in those fights um and good jujitsu decent get-ups uh and then obviously the polish power you got to believe that blohovich should be able to get this fight done i don't have uber confident uber confidence on this because glover always somehow pulls it out of his ass and i have been able to cash on it a couple times with him as a big dog but i just can't seem to pull the trigger this weekend as i believe that blohovich will have too much for him on the feet i do think that blohovich will find that knockout at a certain point in this fight and i think it's just there is just too much risk with Glover given how slow plotting he is and i think that if he gives any uh moments for blahovich on the on the feet here he'll probably be staring up at the lights in this fight so um add in new baby factor as well for uh, blahovich fighting for his baby as well that's another added incentive here again not a huge point as to why you should be betting blahovich in this fight but again in terms of motivation you got to think it's at an all time high for blahovich in this spot um I think the odds are a little bit out of whack, but I just don't have the cojones to go out there and lay that plus 250 on Glover in this spot. Um, again, the the fan in me hopes that he pulls it off. It's a great Cinderella story, of course, uh, especially all the trials and tribulations he had getting to the UFC. But then since then, you know, having a bit of an up and down UFC career and now finally getting to the point where he can get another title shot in a much more favorable matchup compared to when he had to go up against John Jones way back at UFC 170, whatever the fuck it was. But uh, I still lean Blahovitch here. I'm gonna go Blahovitch. I think he puts that Polish power on him, and then he gets to share out of there. So I'm gonna go Jan Blahovitch. Uh, let's say second. No, you know what? Let's say first round KO. And that's a wrap on the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, please hit that like, hit that subscribe. And if you guys want to show your boy a little bit more love, check out the Patreon. 10, uh, five bucks a month and get the best bang for your buck on the market in my opinion and then obviously shout out to CoolBet as well use promo code mma 2 and then match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks all right hopefully we can get some money off this 267 event so that we can go into next week at ufc 268 with a little bit more change in our pocket and a little bit more swagger in our steps so we can put some more green into our pockets baby appreciate you guys checking out the episode again i got a full week of content coming for you guys again thursday propping you up a cody friday ultimate weigh-in show i might as well announce it for you guys here since it might already be out i'm gonna have my guy olivier obama ca pfl competitor for former ufc fighter as well he's gonna help me break down the fights for you guys this weekend so make sure you guys check out that stream friday night 9 p.m eastern and then on fight day again 10:30 30 10 30 a.m eastern time is the prelim start time so i'm gonna to have to get up nice and early so that i can uh, uh uh do a fight day live chat for you guys so look out for the the start time of that over the next couple days i'm guessing i'm gonna to have to get my ass up at 8 a.m or something like that to do it for you guys but we'll see how it goes down so keep your eyes peeled for that otherwise good luck and your best this weekend and i'll see you guys next week